G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I want you to imagine three people sitting in a room, and one of them, for no explanation whatsoever, stands up and storms out of the room and slams the door. Now, the other two persons remaining in the room respond in their hearts. The first one responds with this question, what's wrong with him? But the second responds with this question, what's wrong with me? Why is it that they both responded in a different way? Usually it's because of the way their hearts have been shaped and moulded by their background. The roots of rejection run very deep, usually all the way back to our family upbringing. But the good news of the Gospel is that we are not a product of our past, but a product of the cross and resurrection of Jesus. When we come into the Christian life, we often bring our baggage with us. But God's way of setting us free from this is through the process of renewing our minds. When we've had a traumatic experience in the past, that experience can send a false message concerning our identity. We need to learn what is true about us as a new creation, because it's the truth that sets us free. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. Thanks for joining us. It's Phil here along with author and pastor Ken Legg. And this week we're looking at rejecting rejection. Welcome, Ken. It's an interesting point you began the program with today. Rejection leaves a bad harvest, doesn't it? It does. In fact, I, I would say there are three areas in our lives where that harvest can be seen. Now, first of all, uh, spiritually. For example, you know, I shared yesterday about my upbringing and uh, uh, the way I was rejected by my father. So you can imagine what my, reje- my reaction was when after becoming a Christian, somebody told me that God was my father. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, not another one. You see, I only had one role model of a father. And so, of course, I, I saw God as a strict disciplinarian whose role was to keep me in order. Uh, this image of a father resulted in me relating to God on the basis of fear rather than love. Mm. That's, that's the harvest it had in, in my life. So I lived in constant expectation of punishment. In fact, it took me several years to understand that God doesn't model himself on earthly fathers. Rather, he sets the standard for true loving fatherhood for those of us who are earthly fathers. That's so true, and I wonder how many other people are in the same position. It's it's reckoned that we form our opinion of what God is like based on our relationship with our parents or some other authority figure, You know, our experience with them. Of course, some people formulate their opinion of God on their spiritual leaders, that they belong to a very legalistic church or a cult, they might have experienced conditional acceptance based on their performance and they translated that into their thinking about God. You said, said that rejection has consequences, though, in at least three areas. So what are, what's the next one? Okay, so there's spiritual consequences, but then the next one is physical consequences. Let me give you an illustration here, Phil. Um, I remember after a meeting, I was uh, praying for a man who'd come forward and as I prayed for him, he actually collapsed in front of me. Mm. Uh, what was happening is he was having a breakdown right there in front of me. 
And he began to share his story with me, and, and I, I could see that you know this was going to be something that was going to need a little bit more time and attention than yeah. just the prayer up the front. So I arranged a time of counselling with him, and he came to my office uh, with his wife later on in the week for some counselling. As I began to chat with him, I learned that he was the sort of person that uh, would do anything for anyone. But as I probed into his motive for being like this, it's clear that uh, he did these things because he craved the affirmation of others mm. because he'd never had that as a child. So he was driven to be accepted and uh, he would do anything he could to help others. Well, he now reached the point of exhaustion. He couldn't, get, he couldn't do it anymore. You know, he just couldn't go on anymore. So I shared with him the truth concerning our acceptance in Christ and what I'd learned from my own experience and through the Word of God. And he broke down right there in, in my office and he just wept like a baby. He was getting free and uh, he'd learned that basically everything he was working hard to get, he already had in Christ. He was already accepted. Mm. And uh, that truth basically set him free. Yeah, I'm sure many would agree that uh, the health of our body is often determined by the state of our mind. It's uh, psychosomatic, it's the right word. What's the third area where rejection leaves a bad harvest? Well, of course, there are emotional consequences as well. We've said previously that the emotional environment that a child grows up in has a direct bearing on how that child will develop in terms of personality and his or her ability to relate to others. Mm. So a child who's brought up in a loving atmosphere and home will usually face all relationships with security and confidence. The philosophy is, well, my family love me, so uh, I must be a person of worth and value, and they, they go out confidently to face the big wide world out there. But a child who has felt rejection during childhood will grow up to be defensive, uh, fearful, suspicious concerning future relationships, and uh, that's the way that it will impact them emotionally. So children who are subjected to emotional abuse are denied really their basic developmental needs. When you think about it, I mean, a child generally regards its parents so highly that when rejection takes place, the child will automatically assume that he or she is the problem, not the parent, yeah. and so will take it on board themselves. So if a life hasn't been rooted in love, its entire lifetime will be a struggle against insecurity. Now, now, how does that manifest itself? Well, one of two ways, I would say, Phil. You know, some people are very withdrawn. They're shy. They won't go forward because they feel vulnerable. Yeah. That's one way. Others are the opposite. They get very snappy. You know, they're basically send, sending a message out, you know. Uh, I've been hurt before in the past, but now you keep away from me. Don't get too close. So they bring the shutters down and they send out messages to people not to get too close. Mm. We're dealing with the bad news here at the moment, the problem, if you like. But what's the good news? What hope is there for people who've suffered this pain and rejection? They're struggling to cope maybe in their own relationships now with self-esteem or holding their emotions together or forgiving others or whatever it might be. What, what hope is there? Well, that's the wonder of the gospel, isn't it? You know, where sin abounds, God grace abounds much more. The Bible says that Jesus was made perfect through sufferings. Now, that's not, of course, a reference to moral perfection, but to his being perfected or completed in his role as our high priest. Um, he passed through every kind of suffering known to man. He had to, you know, I mean, like it says in the book of Hebrews that uh, he had to be made like us. It, it would have been no good, for example, if God sent an angel to be a high priest because an, an angel can't identify with a human being. So Jesus had to enter into the fullness of humanity. That meant he had to take on a human body. He had to place himself under the kind of limitations and restrictions uh, that you and I experience day by day. Mm. Uh, he had to have a human nature like us. It, really, it does my head in, actually, when you think about this. Yeah. He, he is fully God and yet he became fully man, and within the confines which we are very familiar, 
would have been very, very unfamiliar to him, very restricting yeah. to him, yeah. but yet he did it all the same. It's amazing. I, I love the words of uh, Charles Wesley in one of his, I think it was a, a Christmas carol actually, he referred to you know the incarnation as God contracted to a span. <laughs> this little baby, you know, yeah. just, the parents were holding in their hands. That was God contracted to a span. And, and totally helpless. So you talked earlier helpless, about the fact defenseless, that... Helpless, yeah, defenseless. Baby uh, comes into the world, they really they can't do anything for themselves. They're totally reliant upon their parents, and he was the same. And, of course, you know, he, he began his journey through life just like you and I and came across every kind of encounter that you and I would experience. In fact, the Bible says that he was tempted and tried in all points like we are. Now, I often ask the question, how long does it take to be tested and tried in in every kind of area, well, I guess 33 years, <laughs> you know, the life that Jesus lived. Like he had to experience life in the raw, yep. life in its totality, so that when you and I come to him and say, you know, Jesus, you know what? I feel terribly alone. I've been so rejected by those that should have affirmed me and accepted me, and uh, I feel abandoned. But of course, you wouldn't understand, would you? And he says, Oh, yes, I would. <laughs> I understand exactly what you mean. I know exactly how you feel. And I know the grace that you need right now to be able to cope with this and to be able to deal with this and to be able to walk through this. Just in practical terms, Ken, somebody going through this at the moment, what do they do? How do they respond? Well, we're going to look at that later on in the week. The first thing I would say, though, is look, turn to the Lord. He does know and he does understand. I don't know if you remember when Jesus began his ministry, he went into the synagogue and he opened the book at Isaiah chapter 61. I mean, there weren't chapter divisions then, but that's the passage we know now. It's Isaiah 61. And he began by the, with these words. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. That's a reality. Jesus heals the brokenhearted. And if there are any of our listeners today that have really been bruised and battered by rejection, Jesus heals the brokenhearted. Our subject this week, rejecting rejection. And we'll have more for you tomorrow. In the meantime, don't forget, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book What's Eating You, which features topics from today's message, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.